Welcome to the Confident in Christ podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church of Valley Springs. We're glad you've joined us for this episode of Confident in Christ as we discuss spiritual gifts and specifically the gift of tongues. Well, let's continue our discussion on the gifts of the Holy Spirit or spiritual gifts. We've been talking about that all month and we're going to finish out the month next week with some practical application, but we're in one of the more controversial sections. I suppose we last week dealt with the gift of prophecy, and today we want to discuss the gift of tongues. And we've already covered the idea of cessationists who believe that the miraculous gifts and things like the gifts of tongues have ceased, and then there is the continualist position, and uh, we're probably in the church and various churches in all different positions and and thoughts about that, but what do you understand the gift of tongues to refer to in the Bible? I've always thought of it as speaking some language that you don't know to others so they can know the Word of God. All right, so Acts 2 is that first account, I believe, in the Bible of the gift of tongues. Some have said that should be been called the gift of ears because they're speaking, but part of the miraculous piece of that is that they're hearing it in all different languages, right? Isn't that how the story goes? So there's something going on there. So so they were actually hearing it in their native or learned tongues, but that's not what it was being spoken in. Any other thoughts about what is the gift of tongues? Um, it says in Acts 19.6, that there were some believers when they were baptized in the name of Jesus, they received the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues right then. So just being, some call it, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that it makes you speak in tongues. Yeah, okay, so there is the theological position that it's tied with the gift of, of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all right? So it's speaking in something there. It's not really even very clear as to what was heard, but but they understood it or described it as the gift of tongues. Any other thoughts about that? This may mirror what's it said. I thought it was perceived as a message to a church or a group of people, and so that's where that interpretation piece came in, was to interpret that for whoever was there at the time. First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is dealing with the gift of tongues, prophecy, and speaking type gifts in the church. And uh, so certainly it does seem like it was being practiced in the church, in the early church. Some have taken 1 Corinthians 13, 1, where Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And they interpret that idea of the tongues of angels maybe applying to the gift of tongues, because that is the context in which it's being given. And then the prophecy which is in everyday language, would be the tongues of men. So there, in some circles, is an understanding of the gift of tongues as maybe a heavenly language. You'll hear it as that an angelic language. And, and that comes from an interpretation of 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Some will talk about the gift of tongues as ecstatic speech. And I'm not really exactly sure what that means. It just, there's, there's a fervor, there's something going on. And it's just not a discernible language. So that the different ways that people have talked about the gift of tongues as they see it and understand it in the Bible. What do you think the purpose is? I mean, Russell already said it's proclaiming the truth, the gospel. That's what happened at Pentecost. They heard the message of Jesus. 
and Sarah talked about in Acts there. So it seemed to be there. It was what? Maybe a verification of their salvation and receipt of the Holy Spirit? I have actually written down here that when that happened, Pentecost, you know, it was during a festival and there were all these different people from all over and how it was kind of a reflection of how they all heard their language, how the good news would be preached over the whole world. Mm -hmm. Just kind of mirrored that. So what's the what's the purpose? In the if it if it's done in the church, and, and that's one of the that's really where it pretty much resides today, right? We understand that speaking of tongues goes on in, in certain churches. What would the purpose be there? It's supposed to be edifying the person who is speaking in tongues and to build up the church. If there's a interpreter, if you have that interpreter, it's supposed to be used to build the fellowship, build the body of Christ. Okay, so yeah, First Corinthians fourteen four: One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Paul's argument throughout that is that prophecy, which is an understandable language, a message from the Lord, is a better thing. It's it's a more desirable, a greater gift than tongues as it is being practiced in Corinth with no interpreter, we assume. He says, yeah, so all that's going on if someone speaks in an unknown tongue in the church and does it out loud is that they're being built up because there's some kind of spiritual experience but it's not building up anybody else. And so, yes, he argues that, hey, if it is even to be done at all in the church, this is Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, there must be an interpreter because this is the church gathered. And anything that's done in the church gathered, it should be edifying towards the body, not just the individual. So that seems to be the argument there. So there can be a, a building up then of it. seems to be the biblical purpose. Any other thoughts about why? tongues is important from a biblical standpoint. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 13 and 14, it says, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said, which we've talked about. But then it says in 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And so I just know in the past when I've gone to church with people who have believed in speaking in tongues, that they did say it was that connection with God, that connection with the spirit. <laughs> that they didn't know what they were saying, but they felt that connection. So that's just my experience. But in that verse right there where it's talking about praying in tongues, it kind of connects to that experience. So is Paul arguing there that it should be happening? No, he goes on to say, right, that, again, where if you if I can speak intelligently, if, I, if people understand me, it's really better because I don't understand what I'm saying. And so then it says, what will I do? Well, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll also pray in words I understand. I'll sing in the Spirit. I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? So again, it reiterates that importance of being interpreted or being understood or the, the priority of prophecy. A few years ago, well, it's been several years ago now, there was a pretty big controversy in the Southern Baptist Convention over what they were calling the private prayer languages, which in essence was this personal prayer, not done in church, in an unknown tongue, an unstudied tongue. And the president at that time of the International Mission Board, as well as multiple Southern Baptist missionaries, said, we have experienced a private prayer language, and it was a big thing. It caused a lot of problems. There were people that left the mission field over it. So these, we're not just talking about theoretical issues. These theological things play out in, in, in ways that impact our lives. And so it's good to be aware of them. And, and it was a big debate 
among among Southern Baptists, and so difficult situation. But there does appear to be right here described Paul saying he, he prays in this way at times, and it appears to be edifying. And he is not condemning the practice of it. In fact, he goes on to say, "Well, look at verse uh, 18 of 1 Corinthians 14. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you." Not that's not hardly a guy who's really condemning it, but he is putting boundaries around it. And he says, you know, what I do in private and what happens in my private devotional life does not necessarily play out in the church, that, that things are to be done in a certain way, decently and in order. So that's just some of the biblical uh, evidence about tongues. So one of my questions is, why do you think the notion of speaking in tongues, I don't think that, I don't know any Christian who says, no, it's never been a legitimate thing, it's fake. From start to finish, always fake. It doesn't exist. It's not a real thing of God. I don't know anybody who says that who reads the Bible right, right here. What you get is people saying it doesn't exist today. You also get a lot of people saying what we see happening today in the church is not in any way, shape, or form a biblical sort of thing. We're seeing something quite a bit different. It's manufactured. It doesn't fit the biblical paradigm. But I want to ask you just as much as you understand what we've read here about tongues. Why do you think that there's so much, I don't know if it's, I would say, fear. Why, why are people who don't routinely practice speaking in tongues, let's just say, well, why do us Baptists seem to fret about this issue so much? What are some of the rubbing points? I think always the unknown, right? Like if we haven't experienced it, then that's something that we take caution to or heed to or wonder or be curious or I think there's a lot of unknown. I think it is one like you talked about in, in one of our past episodes, but where it's one of the more miraculous ones, it's one of those that you don't see as much, especially in our Baptist churches. There's more questions around it. And I'll tell you I've never I've never seen someone stand up and speak in tongues and someone interpret it. I've never i I've just never seen that happen. So I know that there were, you know, false things then that there are now too, and it just makes you question it. Another thing is being able to comprehend, like, uh, like as again you said, sometimes it's, sometimes it's skeptical, and you don't really see what, like, you wonder what you wonder what times would be like if it was, you know, Old Testament, but what speaking in tongues looked like to nowadays. I feel like in other places around the world, speaking in tongues is real because there it is a more live or die situation say a missionary from the u.s going to some place in rural Af africa speaking to a tribe of people that don't understand english i think that god sees that as like they're really wanting to get the point across about god's word i think that god will give them with gifts of tongues to be able to have the people understand so you're like an Acts 2 type model, that it would be the primary place, yeah. Because I feel like God equips you with the gifts that you need to further his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is not that kind of situation, and yet here are tongues being exercised in the church. And Paul arguing that there, there can be a place for them. It's an interesting read. If you just read it, there is a little bit of, he's not skeptical about it, but he is putting the brakes on it. You can You can definitely get that from the tone here. And he's arguing, look, it would just be better. He's not saying it's a fake gift or anything like that. He said, I've even experienced some of this. He said, it's just better if we're speaking in a, a known language that makes sense to everybody, for both believers and unbelievers. That's his argument. 
Well, again, he's not saying it's fake or fraudulent in general. He says it, it needs to be contained, it needs to be limited, and uh, it has to have interpreters. Sarah was talking about not having seen it done biblically, and I visited uh, different churches with different friends growing up. Pretty much what I experienced in a big church, and they're on TV, they're where I grew up, and all of this. But it's just at the end of the service, man, it's just hundreds of voices in all kinds of languages. And I, you know, it freaked the little Baptist boy out. <laughs> but then I was like, ah. I was freaked out. I'm not going to lie. And then it's like, well, I don't know why I was freaking out. And because uh, I would go to concerts and there'd be all kinds of voices I couldn't understand them. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then as an adult, I had have experienced some things, gone into services. Same thing. I just have never seen where people are following the biblical admoni admonitions, except one time. And I, I was sharing with somebody. I sit there and watch the guy read the interpretation off his notes and again I from coming from a guy that uses three pages of sermon notes every Sunday I know when someone's reading their notes you know I like you sure. can just see it that kind of thing I think builds into our cynicism and want to just say man we'd just be better off without it yeah here's the Bible saying there's there's a place for it and uh, so I, I, I want to be in a biblical place but I will say, you know, skepticism and cynicism sometimes gets the best of, of all of us. And I think those fraudulent type things tends to make us want to maybe overreact and, and go pretty far the other way. So I was in a church when I was in my teens. I, my group of friends went to an assembly of God and I went several times, actually a lot when I was a teenager. And so I did get to see it played out where... Somebody spoke in tongues, and then there was an interpretation. And it was only one person. It wasn't a whole bunch. It was one person, and then everybody just kind of waited, and then there was an interpretation. I mean, my questions today, because are still, was that legitimate? Was was that from God? Either one of them. I mean, you know, and so I can't see into a person's heart. I don't know. But I did see where it could have been. But I, I still won't know the answer to that question. Yeah. It even says here, you know, Paul says, don't for forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure everything's done properly and, and in order. So your experience, definitely. I mean, that's properly and in order, right? From what they say, what he says in the Bible. So maybe so, you don't know, but I've never seen anyone even stand up to interpret it. It can happen, but. Well, here's a, maybe you can speak to this, Stacy. Seriously, as a pastor, I would read and say, okay, if any of that was to ever happen, I would want to know how to do it or whatever, you know, I, I, Boy Scout, be prepared. Because Paul says it's limited. It's not to be done in a certain way. He says if there's not an interpreter, it's not to be done. Well, and so how does that how does that pan out when someone goes through a five-minute deal and then you look around and go, is there an interpreter? And there's not, but there are, they've already done it. My experience, and, and this was just mine, so it's very limited, <laughs> but was that it wasn't a five-minute. It was a very quick now, I mean, when people went up to the altar, you would hear a lot. <laughs> but as far as for the whole church, it was it was real quick, and then it was waiting, and then somebody interpreted it, or they didn't, and they kept going. He said, if 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 8, around in there, if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Which reminds me back to the conversation about having faith in your prophecy. You know where you must have faith to the, to the degree you have faith. And so maybe there was a message and nobody had the faith to say it. Or maybe it just wasn't, there wasn't a message. 
Yeah, how do you know that it's going to get interpreted? If you're the one talking, how do you know the on the tail end that, right. that there's another church member feeling called to interpret? Unless someone like stands up with you, yeah, or do you give a sentence and go, "Hey, and the interpreter, I'm serious, I'm yeah. being serious," because yeah, yeah. he doesn't say you should finish, and if there's no interpreter, hey, eh, oh well. well, he says you must be silent, and it's like. I don't even know how that pans out. <laughs> There's a, I, I appreciate the caution in First Corinthians fourteen nineteen, which is uh, yet in the church. I would rather speak five words in my understanding that I may teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue. Yeah. I mean that's a pretty strong admonition uh, to. That's a, you talk about bracketing that particular thing. It, that's pretty strong language to. Be cautious, anyway. You know, I will say, and again, experience is just an experience, and you take it, take it or leave it. But as I would think about my attitudes toward people who speak in tongues or denominations and that kind of thing, because again, that probably if I have a pastoral caution, it would be this: to not criticize and dismiss, especially don't call something you're not sure about or you haven't experienced let's be careful not to call it evil or stupid or fake or what or whatever because there are people that do that i feel like they go so far i would just say some of the most godly friends i have are from denominations and, and they would say I've, I've spoken in tongues and these are godly spiritual people who i value i value their friendship i value their fellowship and all of that so that has always given me pause when i think about who are some of the really godly influences in my life and i would say let's just say an assembly of god pastor friend or two um, and some people that do ministry so i i've not ever experienced it other than been a spectator and tried to just measure it biblically but anytime you start talking about oh that's well that's evil or that's coming from a bad place that kind of statement comes out over anything people are unfamiliar with draw the worst inferences and say uh, ill-informed things yeah i think the not letting these things divide us you know the gifts are for the unity of the church and the building up not the tearing down and, and i think that we should just keep that sort of mentality with us at all times someone already quoted first corinthians 14 39 just says do not forbid to speak in tongues last point and i think this is worth saying then because of where we're at theologically in our church and our practice anyway is that alongside usually where there is practice of speaking in tongues there is also a teaching that all believers who have been filled with the spirit will experience tongues as a gift that is where i would push back and i would say that you cannot sustain that biblically with that theology comes from is from some of the practice in the book of Acts that's described, but yet it is not given as a prescriptive type thing. It's just a, a description. This happened. Sarah read one of those passages. What I would say to that is, as Paul presents it for the church, the gift of tongues is like the gift of prophecy. It's like the gift of anything else. Uh, he talks about, hey, it'd be great, and you can desire it, but he asked the question in 1 Corinthians 12:30, do all speak with tongues? Ask, do all prophesy? And his answer, he doesn't actually give it, but he assumes we know it, is no. No, we don't. I want to guard against in the theology that makes us feel like we're less than full Christians and somehow we've missed out on God's best because we have not experienced a gift that not everybody has. 
And so that's where I'm at when I, again, with my friends, I would defend that who they experience. They come from denominations and say, nope, that is a sure mark of the filling of the spirit, baptism in spirit, speaking in tongues. I'm going, no, it's described in a few places. But the clear biblical evidence is that, no, not everybody will. And so I, I would just encourage anybody and say, hey, if you go, I've never experienced this. And are you less than a whole Christian? Absolutely not. You've got your own gifts. All right. Well, thanks for joining in this conversation today. It's a little bit of a sticky one. It's an interesting one, and uh, but one we can all be encouraged by as we go to the Word.